Hiya, I'm Alfred, the Connect Pastor at Every Nation Auckland City. We are a multicultural, multi generational, socially responsible church that makes disciples. We hope this message inspires you to honor God and make disciples. Hey, good to see you folks. How you doing out there? Um, welcome, welcome, kia ora. Welcome to Every Nation, Auckland City. We're glad that you've dropped in here. Of course, church family, let's come on in together. But if you're a visitor, um, you're very welcome as well. We're glad you've landed. We hope the message is going to really re- uh, be relevant, that it's really going to help and minister to your heart. Can I just say this, that many of us are sick, have just recovered from sickness. I personally have just recovered from the coronavirus and uh, it knocks you around. It's pretty rough out there. And so just if you uh, don't have sufficient support, please reach out to church family. Please reach out to the office. Let us know. We'll have to pray with you. We can organize food. We can get some support around you. And uh, so don't, don't fight alone, right? Never, never stand alone. All right? Cool. Hey, why don't we do this? Why don't we drop in the chat where you're coming from? What suburb or country you are watching this from? We'd love to welcome you properly and... It's kind of cool and interesting interesting to see where people are coming from around the world. All right, today's part two of this new series we kicked off last week called God is and blank. God is. Now, this message is for a particular group of people today. It's obvious to me that many, 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 many of us, those of you out there, who are really hurting, really unsure, a bit afraid about the future, a bit uncertain about what's going on. Maybe you even feel alone today, exhausted and discouraged. Maybe you feel like you're losing even hope itself. Well, there's an Old Testament guy who felt very much like you today. In fact, this guy, his name was Jeremiah. He had had it with people. I mean, who needs people, right? People. Life isn't fair. Just stuff was happening in his life at the time which just wasn't fair, didn't make sense. He had anxiety. He couldn't sleep at night. He's restless. He's just got turmoil and anguish in his soul. And he wrote five poems. They're in the book of the Bible. They're in a section of the Bible called Lamentations, five poems that lament. Why don't you head in your Bible over to the book of Lamentations, and we're going to camp out in chapter 3. We're going to look at these words of Jeremiah. What I love about this, this poem, this portion that we're going to look at here in the third poem, chapter 3, is that he didn't deny his afflictions. You know, there's a special breed of Christian out there that seems to think if you acknowledge affliction, if you acknowledge doubt, if you acknowledge drama, trauma, challenge, anxiety, if you acknowledge it, then you're not very spiritual. And, and, and they just kind of go into denial mode. And, you know, even when they've got a cold, they're going, no, I haven't got a cold. No, I haven't got, you've got a cold, you know, and these people, I don't know what planet they're on, but, they, we need to acknowledge our condition. It doesn't mean we stay there, but 
we need to not commit intellectual suicide and spiritual immaturity and think somehow that having no problems in your life is maturity. That's incorrect. That's wrong theology. It's not Bible. Just thought I'd get that off my chest. I feel better about it already. Okay, so this guy, Jeremiah, he didn't deny the situation. It says here in verse 19, it says, I remember my affliction. He's actually bringing it to mind. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them. Like I can't forget about them, right? I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The goal of this talk today is to help you call to mind one of God's great and beautiful attributes. And my prayer is that as you do, that a fresh and a living and a vibrant hope will begin to rise up in your spirit. Let's go on to verse 22, and here it comes. It says in verse 22, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. And here comes the attribute that I want to focus on. His, everybody say it, his mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I want to talk to you about the mercy of God. And I want to call this talk, this sermon, hope when you're hurting. Hope when you're hurting. Let's open in prayer. God, I pray that hope would rise in our hearts, that hope that through your word, that we would all begin to experience your mercy, would begin to experience your goodness, will begin to experience your grace in a fresh, new, and incredibly personal way. I pray that everyone watching this today will be changed in your presence by your presence. In your wonderful name, Lord Jesus, amen. Well, let's define mercy. And I think that's really important because, you know, some attributes of God, when you look at them, they sort of sound familiar, they sound similar. And it can come a little bit soupy, a little bit all in the wash, like love and, and grace and compassion and goodness and faithfulness and justice. They're all true, and there is some overlap, but they all also have unique elements to them. They're quite, quite distinct. And so I want to just quickly look and clarify three of those that are sound and feel similar, but they're actually very distinct. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Justice. What is justice? Justice is when you get what you deserve. What is grace? When you get what you don't deserve. And then we have mercy when you don't get what you do deserve. You know, there are, in my few short years of driving an automobile, actually it's been a long time, I've had a number of tickets a number of tickets, and, and I can remember, oh, on more than one occasion, actually, I was definitely speeding, I was pulled over, and I was polite to the officer and just hoping he wouldn't ask me what I do for a job. Um, one or two of them did, and I had to be honest, but it was super embarrassing. 
but I was speeding and, and I guess it depends on the officer, but there's one occasion where I was just polite and I thought I'd been caught, no, no point in denying it, no point in arguing, I deserve it. And he didn't give me a speeding ticket, he just gave me a warning. That's mercy. I deserved a ticket, but he didn't give me what I deserved. That's mercy. I want to head over to the New Testament, and I want us to look at the Apostle Paul's, his thoughts around this thing, this attribute of God called mercy. And just pick it up in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And, and it gets starts out pretty heavy right here. Paul is looking at our condition. He's describing our spiritual condition before Christ, before we met Jesus Christ. And it says there in verse 1, once you were... Just note the past tense all the way through this. I love that. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live this way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. It's a pretty confronting description of our hearts before we met Christ, right? And it describes us as being spiritually dead because of disobedience and sin. We were following our passionate desire of, sin, of sinful nature. Gosh, I love the way it's being described here. And we're subject to God's anger, right? That would be the appropriate response from God, a holy, holy God. Now, I want to just press pause right here. And I know I've taught this before on one or two occasions, but I, it bears repeating right now. How can a loving God be angry? It says right here, he's angry with us. How can a loving God be angry? We've got love and we've got anger and can they coexist? Now, it's hard to compare God with us. It's, it's helpful to talk about this, but there's a breakdown in the analogy, I think, because God is so much superior than us. But just track with me as I try to demonstrate that we have love and anger at the same time. You know, parents... Parents love their kids, or they should. Um, I love my kids. But I think every kid has probably told a lie in their life. What does a parent do when they love their child? They just adore their child. They've nurtured their child, and the child lies. Haven't we got love and anger happening at the same time? Or maybe you, you loved your unsaved friend, but they go drink driving. Or here's a big one. Like all the wives out there, like you love your husband, but he keeps leaving the toilet seat up. Yeah, you can have love and anger at the same time. And, and, and when God's angry, both he loves them and he's angry with what hurts them. God's got both happening together. And we see that in our own lives, don't we? Anyway, so what is Ephesians 2 saying? Well, so far, Paul is saying, without Christ, before Christ, you were in really bad shape. You were doomed. But then what comes next are 
two, I think, of the most beautiful words in the entire Bible. Verse four, it says, but God, woo, hallelujah, but God, ah, we're dead in trespasses and sins. We're following our sinful dogs. We can't, we can't help ourselves. We just automatically do it, right? But God, who is rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. I love this description by a commentator that I read. He said, brilliant colors now flash across the black background. The brilliant colors of God's mercy burst forth across this dark back, black background. Let me ask you a question. When did God start loving you? Powerful question. It was surely well before you began to think about God. Incredible. What a faithful, merciful, gracious God that we have. Even though we deserve punishment, because of his great mercy, he didn't give us what we deserved. Thank God that he's not always fair. Wow. He's rich in mercy, it says. The original language in Greek is alios, which is present tense. It's not just he used to be a merciful person. He is currently a merciful person. He is currently distributing, distributing and unleashing new mercies every single day, every single 24-hour period. There are new mercies being released from the presence of God and available to you and I. God lives in a continual, listen to me now, God lives in a continual state of unending mercy. He's rich in mercy. It's powerful. Now, I want you to look at what David thought about God's mercy. After sinning against God, it wasn't the Bathsheba story. It was another story where he, he got involved in a survey and so forth. You can read it some other time. But David said this. He said, I'm in a desperate situation. This is in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 14. Look at these, these words right here. He says, I'm in a desperate situation, David replied to, to Gad, but let us fall into the hands of the Lord for he, his mercy is great. And look what he says. Do not let me fall into human hands. What's he saying? God may have mercy, but so many people won't. Isn't this true? That God is merciful to us, but are we merciful to each other? Or do we just want justice every time we see an injustice or an offense? A British poet by the name of Alexander Pope, he wrote this, teach me to feel another's woe, to hide the fault I see that the mercy I show to others, that mercy also show to me. Did you know one of the obstacles for receiving God's mercy 
is having a lack of mercy towards others. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. There's a condition. Our lack of mercy to each other, to church family, our lack of mercy and, and, and accommodation for mistakes and foibles and kinks and quirks and our lack of mercy towards one another can be an obstacle even for us to receive mercy from God. I think that bears pondering at this time when there's so much stress and strain everywhere, it's real easy just to react to everything. But just bear in mind, God values mercy. In fact, he said, blessed are the merciful, <clears throat> for they shall receive mercy. Let us be people of mercy. Maybe you could put in the chat right near now, just put the word mercy. Let's be a people of mercy. Let's become a channel of God's mercy, not just walking around distributing God's justice, but God's mercy, being a merciful person. And we need to see that mercy really matters to God. In fact, I want to show you now just how much mercy matters to God. Do you remember back in the Old Testament, there's just a ridiculous amount of detailed information and a description of how God wants his dwelling place, his house to be built. He downloads his divine download of super details to Moses about building a temporary portable um, <clears throat> temple. They'd call it a tabernacle. And then later on in the Old Testament, he gave David um, the the uh, similar instructions about the building of the temple, all the, the details were incredible. And in both cases, there's an amazing volume of detail. In fact, many of us will probably skip chapters to get to other stuff. But God's got this, I mean, God's into measurements. God teaches them how to, how to build the dimensions of the portico and the entrance and the storeroom and, and all the constructions right there. There's no Auckland City Councilor anywhere, by the way. He just, God Almighty gives these men incredible page after page, chapter after patch, chapter of all this incredible detail. And then God says this, in the middle of my house, I want you to build a place of atonement, a place where things can be made right, a thing where God and man can meet and there could be reconciliation. Right in the middle of my house, in the very, very middle of, of all the descriptive glory and the beauty of my house, I want you to build a mercy seat. Wow. Right in the middle. I want you to build a mercy seat that's so cool. Now, the mercy seat, as you can see in the picture that's coming up, it, it, it sat on top of the Ark of the Covenant, and it was made of pure gold, and it represents God's presence amongst His people. In fact, in a couple of places in, in the Scripture, I know at least once in Psalms, it refers to it as like the footstool of God. It's beautiful. And what's God saying? Why is God building a mercy seat right in the middle of his dwelling place? He's saying this, when you build my house, make room for mercy. When you build my house, make room for mercy. Make room for mercy. 
Maybe you put that in the chat. Make room for mercy. It's in the center of my house, says God. It's in the center of my heart, says God. It's in the core of who I am. I'm a merciful God. When every new day is born, people listen to me. When every new day is created and the sun rises again, there is mercy available. There's mercy already in place from the beginning to the end. The mercies of God never cease. They are new every morning and they're available to you today. If you need mercy, God is saying, come to me. Come to him with all your fears. Come to him with your insecurities. Come to him with your pain. Come to him with your your doubt. If you have sin in your heart, God says, seek my forgiveness. I'm a merciful God. Wow, thank God for His mercy. Some of us may say, yes, well, I'm I'm grateful for God's mercy, Pastor, but I'm still hurting. I know so many people are hurting these days. There's so much pain and sadness and anxiety. I see more tension and unsettledness today than I think in 20 years of full-time vocational ministry. I, I feel it. I feel the pressure. I feel the anxiety. I feel the loss of energy sometimes. This is what I want to do in this moment. I want us to go back to what Jeremiah said in Lamentations 3. He says, the faithful love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Did you know that every morning ends the night before? It finishes the nighttime. Every morning brings a new day. Come on, whatever you need, this is what I want you to do right now. Just open your arms to God in a posture of receiving. If you need more grace, if you need more love, if you need more of his compassion, more of his goodness, more of his kindness, more of his mercy, if you feel downcast, if you need God to breathe fresh courage into you today, can I invite you to open your arms? If you need his comfort through a trial, he is a God who can heal you. He is a God who will restore you. If you need the presence of God, lift up your hands to him. Say, God, I need you today. I need your mercy. I'm asking you, God, to touch my life in a fresh and dynamic way, in a deeply personal way. And as our hands are lifted to the Lord, I want to pray over you. I want to pray for you right now. Lord, you see these lifted hands. And I'm praying, God, that you would mend the brokenness. Lord, that you would heal the hurt and renew the weary. Lord, we bring collectively all of our hurt, our fears, our anxieties, our doubts to you, God. Lord, I'm praying for your mercies that are new every morning, Lord, to be bestowed upon these people, that you would grant them new strength and fresh hope. Father, by the power of your Spirit, do a work in our church that only you can do. Speak to us, move upon us, we pray, in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. To know more about Every Nation Auckland City, you can visit our website at www.everynationauckland.city. For more messages like this, you can subscribe to this podcast through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts.